It's episode 33 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Nick Oram. Nick Oram, welcome to the Improv Thank London you. podcast. Thanks very much. <laughs> How are you? Mm. Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very, yeah, no, I'm very good. I'm uh, just finished work. Uh, that's that's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I'm very, and it, do you know what? I think everyone's just. I just feel like this whole all the stuff that's going on, all the because poli- it's like all the politi- political stuff. Obviously, I'm out of my depth as soon as I start speaking <laughs> about it. But it is like a very. It is just has this makes everything feel a little bit weird. I yes. don't know. Do you agree? Yeah. I feel like it makes. So aside from that, I'm all very good. But all that sort of stuff makes things very weird. I guess I'm kind of thankful for improv. As a result, because of that, because I feel like improv represents kind of togetherness and welcoming people in and, and people all being together. And it's been really nice seeing people like Steve Rowe sort of saying, you know, European improvisers, improvise with us, people stay with us, you know. And it went to an improv show at the weekend and, um, and uh, the guy hosting it, Graham, um, the FA, he was like, you know, these are crazy times, but improv is all about us being together or something like that. And I just thought, oh, this is actually, I'm really, really pleased I'm a part of this, a part of this scene. Yes. Um, it's actually really nice, especially when things are all crazy. Yes, yes. It's so good overall. Good. If we can be a, an oasis of calm in these turbulent times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about your particular oh, oasis yeah. of calm. <laughs> It's a beautiful link. <laughs> it's good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you not adjust your stage? Yes. What's all that about? <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're a new, we're a <laughs> great question. <laughs> what is it about? Well, we're, we're, a, we're an improv group, improv troupe. We've been going quite a while, actually. So some of the majority of the guys, actually, in Do Not Just Stage, I've been improvising with for maybe 10 years now. So a really long time. Which is really nice, isn't it? It's really nice and really nice for me. I, I feel so grateful to be improvising with everyone in a group. I think they're so great. So, um, yeah, so, uh, we, so a lot of us have been improvising together for, for 10 years. We initially were a student group. So we, the majority of us met at uh, Sheffield University um, and um, formed an improv group there called The Shrimps, which is still going strong, oh, still really? exists, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, and then some of us moved to London, got a few other people involved, and formed a Do Not Just Your Stage. Wow! So ten years mm. with the same people—that's amazing. How do you manage that? Don't know really. I think luckily they were just—they they, we all really enjoy improvising with each other, and they haven't got sick of me <laughs> yet. So we've uh, we've um, we stuck together. But it's kind of cool. It was, it was, and it's one of those weird things where it's just kind of crazy that it's just kind of lucky that you get in, involved. I was, it was a train journey. I was on a train, and I uh, met Helen O'Donnell, who's in doing just a stage now, on a train, and she was like, oh, "I've just started going to this improv thing," um, and it was run by it was this guy called Dimitri Muna. Is this too much information? This or is, is this exactly right? the level exactly of information what you need. that the uh, listeners require. Great. Well, it was a guy called Dimitri Muna who I, I, he lives in America now, but he was over in the UK recently, it was lovely to see him. And he uh, was doing a PhD at Sheffield University and had been through, I think it was all the Second City courses, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and was like, oh man, now I've moved to um, Sheffield from, from New York, 
and there's like no improv in Sheffield and I really want to do Sheffield, I'm going to set something up myself. So he set up this improv group and he put this tiny little ad in like a window of the student union or something on the notice board and uh, literally a handful of people came up, it was about two people I think to the first one. I joined in like the third week after this chance meeting with um, Helen on a train, I was like, oh, you should come. So I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I would quite like that. And it kind of gradually sort of grew from there, and eventually we became kind of cool student society, really. We thought we were really good. We, were, we had that arrogance of when you know like no one else is doing your thing in a city. Um, and so you think you're, like, phenomenal. Like, you think you're the best. So we had that sort of, um, we had that sort of, arrogance when no one else is really doing your thing or not that many people at least in the locality you are you think you're like just phenomenal and you think you're amazing and it turns out that you're, you're not <laughs> but, um, but, it was, but I think that confidence really really helped us in terms of when we started a group at the beginning um, and it was really it was really exciting we started a uh, festival student festival and all these improv acts from other student groups came and things like that as well so it was really fun times. It was kind of like the main reason, the main thing for being at Sheffield University in the end was uh, this improv group that we'd all created together. Cool. And what sort of stuff were you doing when you started? Yeah, so we were doing um, classic sort of short form improv. So that's what we were doing. And we were very, very lucky, I think, in that the person that was running the group and training us, uh, Dimitri, was, had, been, had been sort of trained for all these levels. Uh, and all this stuff, and so he was really, really, although we're doing short form stuff, really pushing us on um, all the stuff like who, what, where, yes, and all the basics in a really, really big way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that, that really helped us. I think that was, that was really advantageous for us. We were really lucky to have that. Cool, yeah, so he would have been giving you sort of a, a depth to what you were doing, even if you were doing kind of quite, you know, humorous or, I don't know, jokey, or I don't yeah, know, yeah, I don't yeah. know how to describe it. No, exactly that. I think, and I'm not saying that doesn't uh, usually happen, but I, it, we were really lucky to have. I think that made a big difference in our case. Whereas if just one of um, me or like one of the rest of the, of the group who, who joined had been like, oh, I really want to start an improv group, it would have kind of just copied the um, Who's Lines It Anyway games, and it would have taken longer. It wouldn't have had those sort of basics really like pushed into us right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of annoying at times. It was kind of annoying having those. <laughs> Basics. It was like, do we really have to keep going on about this every single week? You know, like it was irritating, but, but so important. It turns out, it turns out really important. Uh, so you you graduated and you came to London. Yes. And so how did do not adjust your stage kind of who? Yeah. How what? So I we yeah we we graduated uh, and we kind of moved to London in stages and. I was one of the first to move to London because I, I'm from St Albans, which is very close by, and it's a classic. Involves Steve Rowe, obviously. <laughs> obviously, it's uh, nice that he gets a mention. Yeah, well, he ever gets a mention. No, I bet. Yeah, yeah, Who's yeah. that Steve Rowe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it actually involved me in a massive way. So I was looking for improv to do in in London, and obviously I discovered Hoopla, and was like, oh, this seems good. And I went along to the Hoopla uh, open workshops. I think we're on a Thursday at the time. Uh, they drop in workshops every Thursday, run by Steve. It's kind of nice, real mixture of people that are completely new to improv, people that are completely new to London, people who've been doing improv for a bit, all this sort of thing, all mixing together. It was lovely, and um, 
Steve was, I think at that point, where he'd been putting on shows, but kind of just expanded into the Miller, and was looking for, I think was keen to have acts at this point. Now he's got probably more acts that he can deal yeah, with, yeah, I, yeah. I imagine the improv scene has grown so much. But at the time, he was actively actually looking for acts in much more of a necessary way, I think. And um, so he was kind of like, oh, I should say, I met Reese there as well. So Reese, I hadn't really met before, but I met him in, in London at the Hooper Workshop as well. Got on really, really well with him. And Steve was kind of like, Nick, you and Reese should uh, do a show together. And then, and I was like, yeah, actually, that would be good. I really want to do that. And then the next conversation, uh, me and Reese were chatting, and he was like, hey, Reese, you and Nick are going to do a show together. It's like, oh right, yeah, no, we we are definitely can't. I could definitely can't back out of this. Definitely got back out of this now. <laughs> and um, and then um, so uh, and, and then and then uh, yeah, so he 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 chatted to me and we um, agreed to do uh, a show in a, a sort of about three months time, I think. So right. he he kind of sort of about September that he was like he should do a show or October or something like that. Um, and then in, in January, it's like, well, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you two dates. Because otherwise, if you've just got one in the diary, <laughs> then you'll be like really scared about it and you'll yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. your only opportunity ever. Yeah. Like if you one in January and one in February, yeah. then you'll be kind of like completely chilled out about it and won't really care about the January show. I love that um, uh, sort of advice, that, uh, many pearls of wisdom that Steve shares, but the idea of looking at your shows and thinking of, not thinking about the first show or the second show, but thinking about them as a continuum of like a hundred shows. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm going to do a hundred shows. So if this one's rubbish and the next one's rubbish, it doesn't matter because it's all just part of the process rather than just, you know, building up the one event. Yeah, completely agree. And I think I would say to anyone now thinking of doing a show for the first time, that's great, but book in too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, Like he did, because I think it helped us so much. So <laughs> we have these shows booked in and... Um, so I kind of um, got together a few people from um, Sheffield um, who were in London and uh, who had been in the Shrimps and Reese. we also got in, who did we have at the time? A few people are on in it now, so Dan Atfield for example really, uh, was extremely valuable at the beginning of Do Not Just a Stage, who Reese knew from uh, Durham for example, actually I kind of knew from, uh, I knew from the Shrimps as well. Um, and so we, we got a few people together and we did a sort of television themed show first of all, oh, that right. was the first big idea, so that's why we called Do Not Just Your Stage, oh, right. Do Not Just Your Set. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a sort of play on, and it was a sort of TV themed show. Called details, details. So details. details. So we didn't, we never really, we didn't really know what Harold was, and we hadn't really like um, <laughs> learned or anything. But we kind of based it around a Harold a little bit, and, uh, which is a really good idea, isn't it? When you've never, never really learned a Harold. But the amount of people that 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 they say, oh yeah, we we did a Harold, and we didn't really know what it was, or we'd sort of read about it in a book, and we sort of did it anyway. Yeah. That is exactly what it is. So our idea was that for some reason TV had been taken off air and we were having to create all the TV. And <laughs> so we kind of had the beats of Harold and each beat represented a TV genre, which we kind of decided on before we came to the audience for the show. Right. So uh, we do like, so beat one might be soap, beat two might be uh, documentary, and beat three might be, I don't know, like an American drama or something like right. that. And then so we'd go to the audience and we'd ask them for a maybe the name of the soap or the setting for the drama or, or whatever. So we had that as our sort of beats. And then we had the group games, which was uh, a game show. 
and right. we'd have this crazy game show. Again, we'd get suggestions from the audience for that, and then we'd we'd do that. And, and that was it, basically, and we kind of went through the, the show that way. Well, actually, sorry, the group game actually was not, it could be a song, or it was lots of different things, actually. Sorry, not a game show. Lots of it could be, uh, yeah, a song or something different, another genre, basically. Wow, that's really ambitious. So you're not only doing a Herald, you're mm. also adapting a Herald. You're sort of mapping it onto another kind of thing entirely. Yeah, I, guess, I think it was a very loose interpretation. And right. to, to be honest, actually, I don't really know if we knew the word Harold before we did right. it, okay. or if we kind of did this and then it was like, oh, it kind of represents the Harold with right. okay. the sort of beats. Um, but that's what we did. And I think it was, I, I think that it was exciting. It, I think that did help in that we had a really clear identity of this show because our improv wasn't really great. You know, we'd done, we'd, we'd uh, only really done short form before this point. So we were doing scene-based improv for the first time. And we kind of put genre stuff on it, so it was still kind of a bit bit gamey, but essentially it was scenes that were kind of building each other. Uh, so we were new to doing that, but I think the fact that our show had this really, really clear identity yeah. uh, really helped yes. um, at the beginning like that. Yes, and it's interesting. So you involved the audience, but you didn't let them choose what genre. No. Was that a deliberate choice? Yeah, because I think we'd find that really hard. <laughs> you would find it hard or they would find no, it No, we hard. would find it really right. hard. I, I don't know. It, I, and now, I think... Well, actually, it's interesting to say that because then the show kind of evolved. So we did that at the Fringe. We did that for a couple of years, a few years. Did it at the Fringe as well, maybe twice at the Fringe. And then we were like... We, had this, we came back from the Fringe for the second time. Um, we were like, you know when it doesn't go that well? Like, it wasn't like awful, but also it wasn't really that good. And we're <laughs> kind of, I'd booked this, like, we, booked, we stayed in this um, terrible accommodation, which was basically my fault. And it would, have been, it would have been fine, but it was so, so small. It was so, I can't emphasize how small it was. Uh, and it was really bizarre. It was like, it was owned by this guy that was, he was kind of like this, this, hippie uh, which is fun, which is good and there were lots of like sort of really weird books and crystals around and stuff um, but oh it's so small like uh, uh, Christian I think it was Christian who was the guitarist in our group he kind of late at night brought his guitar back from the gig and kind of just turned around in the kitchen with the guitar and turned on the gas of the oven and we, we, we nearly gassed ourselves because the place was so small so we spent the entire night with the gas kind of filling up and then Matt went for an early morning run and came back and was like whoa there's a really strong smell of gas in here no, so it was, it was so small it was a health hazard for that number of people oh. uh, it turns out <laughs> oh no that's awful mm. so, uh, was that, so that was the same uh, format so that was the same format right. and we came back and we were like oh man Everyone was kind of like, oh man. Not only do we really... need to get a bigger place next yeah. time, we need to change we the need format to of the show. Just change everything. <laughs> and it was kind of one of those like moments where we could have we could have like decided not to be an improv group together. I, mean, I think that was like I don't think that was likely, but that was kind of one of the options of the table on the table is that we kind of gotta do things a bit different. Right. And so we then kind of freed things up. So then our, we had a, about a month or so before our next show, a couple of months, uh, at the Miller again. And we were like, right, so for this next one, we kind of all discussed about it as a group. I think Tim chaired the meeting, was like, you know, what do we think about this? Blah, blah, blah. And we decided to really free the show up, basically. And um, 
struggling to remember now, but it's still for the first couple, it was still TV themed. Yeah. But it, um, it, it didn't have that, right, we're going to do these genres or we're going to do. So we just kind of did what we wanted and kind of messed around with it, um, basically, um, flicking between different things. So did that. And then we're like, oh, well, this is really fun. But actually, the TV thing is really getting in the way now. Right. We prefer yes. just to do lots of fun improv. And so we, we did. We did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see how it's nice to have a format for a while. It gives you structure. But then eventually, you kind of outgrow that structure. And you feel confident enough to try your own things then. I think that's right. I think it is really, really helpful to do that, to have a really set idea at first, especially when you're all getting to, to know each other and getting to know how you work, uh, and then just like destroy all that, basically. Yeah, yes, yes. Because you already know each other so well, I guess you've kind of already got ideas of possible structures and ideas in your head without really even, even knowing it, I think. So yeah, yeah, that's what we did. And, and then we sort of started chatting to the audience in a much fuller way, and that was really fun as well, actually. So really like chatting to them and sort of using that as inspiration points. I think that works. Yeah. That worked really well in our show and we still do that with our kind of club set, our Miller uh, show uh, now, which that's sort of probably the funniest show we do. Um, you know, chat to them in the audience and then just see where that goes with all the different sort of uh, scenes and stories and what happens and what doesn't. Right. So when you're, when you're doing that, when you're getting the call out, are you asking specific questions or are you just saying, hi? And then <laughs> that's not quite how a conversation develops when you want to say to anyone. Hi, how you doing? I'm oh, all right. Uh, you know, you must have some sort of tactics for the call out. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's just about um, digging into whatever they're talking about, right, basically. Okay. So it's just about finding out more. I think I think that's it. So um, you know, asking how they ask me what they do, and then whatever they give you, just digging and digging and digging and digging right, yeah, into yeah, yeah. it. Uh, you know. Why do you do that? What are you interested in about that? You know, um, and find, finding out more about the stuff that they they give you, and making them look really, really good. Yes. I think that's really key to yes. to make the um, uh, well the audience generally, but sp especially if you're yes. speaking to them, look look absolutely great, like an absolute legend. And any sort of jokes or humour you get from it should definitely be at the expense of yourself yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. And, and then I think it's a quite a nice thing for them to be involved in really yeah no I think that's that's a lovely thing because it just and it makes them feel good about themselves um, and if you've had any improv group take your experiences and then enact them or sing about them that is an amazing gift yeah. and that's something that they they can take away um, and also the rest of the audience thinks well I can relax now because I'm not worried about this person <laughs> You know, I'm just like, you know, we're with friends. I, I, there's trust in the room. And that's, yeah, that's I think that's it. And I think that trust thing is really important. The other thing you can do there, I think, is really make it clear to that person you're speaking to kind of what's going to happen before you do it and yes. kind of getting their agreement from it. So I guess if you're, if you're asking about what are the sort of tactics there, then definitely, you know, like... Uh, we ask them if they want to be spoken to, you know, are you happy to be spoken to? Yes. And we'll use it as a starting off point, we're not going to tell the story of your life, you know, does that sound okay? Yes. And if they say no, we will genuinely just go, okay, that's alright, yeah. we'll talk to this person. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we don't want to, you know, yes. make someone feel uncomfortable. Which I, yes. think is, I think is kind of important, really, when yeah, you're yeah, a pop yeah. audience. I'm, we're I'm not doing stand-up. Yeah, I'm never really keen on those shows that really, like, pick at an audience person because I'd hate to be in that situation it'd be like 
it's like literally my worst nightmare is to be spoken to in a show if I, you know, if I'm the, in the audience. Oh, I hate it, hate it. <laughs> really? Yeah, because yeah. oh, you don't have any control. Yeah, my, 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 the two words that flash into my head, no, the three words, don't pull focus. Don't pull focus. Well, <laughs> that's the thing because you're in, especially if a stand-up is talking to you, you're really in a lose-lose situation. Aren't you? Um, and if you do, uh, I don't know. Even if you do say something funny, yeah, it's, it, it's the, they're going to want to yeah, say something funny. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just it always terrifies me. It always terrifies me. Basically, <laughs> kind of just put my head down like this and uh, never sit in the front row. Basically. <laughs> So, what, so you have this thing you call the club format, is that how you describe it? Yeah, I think we probably, I think we probably would describe it as that, like a sort of comedy club show. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is something we can kind of take anywhere, basically. And we do it at the Miller every, uh, pretty much every month. Um, and we can kind of take that anywhere as well w without having to kind of think about it or right. prepare anything, basically. Yes. But it's the funnest I think it's the funnest show I love doing it especially at the Miller now because uh, the, the, for people that are relatively new to the London improv scene the audience at the Miller the Miller as a whole sort of thing has just like exploded in the last few years compared to you know it's just really grown and grown and grown it's a real credit to um, Steve again I think how yeah. it has grown it's really exciting so what was it like in the olden days in the olden days <laughs> yeah it was in all in black and white. <laughs> um, and it, uh, no, it was. Uh, it was like it was just. Um, well, our first show. So, for example, our first show we ever did at the Miller. Um, Steve gave us like a whole evening to ourselves. So we did like two halves of this "Do Not Adjust Your Sage" television show. So that was it was, and we did like two forty-five minute sets with an interval in between, probably a bit longer. So it was very, it was like, I think the quality has improved in that I don't think Steve would let us have, <laughs> right, absolutely rightfully, uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want that now. Um, I, I, I think, so I think that's one of the cool things, is there's a lot more acts, so um, things like that don't happen now, which is really, which is really good. Um, not I'm saying it wasn't, it was great then, by the way, just to be clear, uh, but, but it's just, I think there's just so many more like improv groups now, so many more people excited about improv and so many more people coming that don't necessarily um, know about improv or are relatively new to it and, and and that's always they're like the best people to perform to aren't they yes yes definitely um, so you've got this club format yes and when you're performing the club format what role in the group do you play oh, yeah um, what do I do what do, what do, what do, what do, what do people say hey that Nick He's really good at that thing. What's that thing? Yeah, I don't. I, that's, it's a hard question, isn't it? I think. Well, actually, I generally do the chat to the audience right. bit. Um, not always, but more often than not. Is that because I you think. feel more comfortable talking to people than the rest of the team? Oh, the other people are so socially. <laughs> poor. Just, just, that's what I wanted. That's yeah. what I wanted. Yeah. Give me the dirt. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, no, that's not a reason. No, I think um, I think I just did it a bit more at the beginning, right? And so that and it's so it kind of stuck a little right. bit yeah, is yeah. actually the, the the main reason. I quite enjoy doing it as well. I actually get a sort of kick out of it. I really enjoy doing it, and I think that's the that's those are the the main sort of reasons. Um, so I think I, I often do that. So that's part of my my role is sort of warming that audience and getting that uh, getting. Um, um, stuff from the audience member or members that we speak to. So that I think, 
Um, I think. Oh, what do I? What do I actually do? What do I do? I mean, should I even be there, really? I think. Um, I. I think I'm. I'm kind of. I think. What have I, I think I've got a kind of weird sort of thing on stage where I'm kind of uh, seem to show a little bit of myself to the audience. But, but but also bring in sort of quite a bit of sort of um, emotion and and feeling and and sort of care and stuff to scenes, while at the same time sort of doing find it very difficult to not show the um, the emotions that I'm actually feeling right. on stage too. <laughs> so I think I do that quite a bit. I think I often play relatively sort of low status characters uh, more often than not. Again, I think. Probably must it's, you know kind of kind of useful uh, maybe to have that sort of mix of uh, people that are more comfortable in different states. Well, are you more comfortable playing those states? I don't know. I think um, I think I'm naturally a little bit more low status in in like. I do you know what I think actually it's slightly more nuanced than that. I think I play low to say just this is naturally what I play right. Low status characters that are trying to be high status but failing oh, massively. Oh wow! And I think that's because that's basically. Uh, me is that I'd really, really like to be high status, but unfortunately, don't. I'm not. I'm not able to. Um, don't have kind of the, the, the tools to be able to do it at my disposal. So yeah. That was that was that was the deep psychological the, yeah. insight of the episode. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just have a quick cry. Yeah, that's well, okay. Do you want a hug? Yeah, please. Yeah. Just have a quick hug. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you're doing the club, mm. um, the club set. When I'm in uh, the club. When you're in the club, yeah. Um, so you have music. There's a musical component of this, but it's not a musical show. Yes. So we've got two musicians, uh, Christian and Tom, who are awesome musicians. Really, really good. And uh, so they um, back most of our shows. So it depends actually, sometimes they do that show and sometimes they, they, they don't. But uh, yeah, when they're there then they, yeah, they provide the backing. But we don't really do songs that often. Yeah. Occasionally one night happen, but it's not our, it's not our, it's not our forte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not our forte really. So, what, so I'm just interested in exploring the idea of doing improv. That, so we're not doing songs, we're doing improv. But one of our improvisers is improvising with a musical instrument. What does that add? How yeah. does that change what you do? Well, I think it creates a it creates a sort of uh, an energy. Um, I think straight from the from the get go, yeah. which is is really really exciting. First of all, I think there's an element of theatricality to it, which yes. I think is 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 really important to uh, um, bring into into improv. And then the other thing I think, well, not just the other thing, but one of the other things they do is they tease out uh, and emphasise um, some of the really important things, especially the sort of drama and the yeah. emotion. They really tease it out and and, and emphasise it. Um, there's all sort of tone is maybe a better word. Tease out the tone, emphasise the tone of the scene, and, and create that tone. Yeah. And I think that is so important, especially when you do lots of different scenes. It's kind of nice them each have different feelings and, and tones and stuff. And I, I think they do. They they do that. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I think when I've seen you perform, and you know, they've been backing you. I just, I think it really does add something, as you say, the, the theatricality and the sort of gives it another dimension that I, I really like. Yeah, no, I think I think they uh, they, they they definitely do, and the, the exciting thing with them now is 
Um, we've started doing this other show at the FA, um, and it's uh, it uses lots of electronic music, and uh, they uh, they because that's what that's kind of what they're most into. You know, usually they bring guitars along to the to to the middle or to, to other shows, but actually, if they're just creating music themselves, then what they're doing is fiddling around with um, with computers and drum machines and, and things so uh, they were like well why don't we do this in a show and we were like oh my god definitely definitely should so tell me about Stereolog yes how does having a different genre of music affect the style of the performance or is it not that way around mm. yeah good question so I guess there's it's there's there's a slightly different style to our performance anyway, sort of beyond the music deliberately. So the way we start is with monologues and interspersing different sort of uh, monologues. So is there uh, a basically. call out to inspire the monologue? Well, what we do is uh, we get a uh, we we speak to a member of the audience and we ask them a question and we record it and then they kind of mix that into their opening sort of uh, wow. tune based, open sort of music basically. That sounds so it's kind of cool. I kind of ruined the theatrical surprise oh. for those that are going to see the first one. But I think that's okay. <laughs> um, and, and so they, they do that, they kind of mix it, mix it in. So we get that first of all and then we use that as our inspiration for a, a series of kind of character monologues that, that dip in and out and then dip into scenes and then out of scenes into monologues again, into scenes again, uh, all with this kind of quite hypnotic, repetitive sort of soundtrack wow. uh, underneath. Yeah. So it's kind of a pretty cool thing. It's, it's quite new. We've done it maybe, I don't know, about just six or so performances. Yeah, yeah. So it's a relatively new thing that we're working on and building on every, we perform about every couple of months and sort of building on it. But we're, we're quite excited about it, I think. No, that sounds amazing. So when you say you do character monologues, you're doing monologues, but they're in character rather than a monologue from your own life. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're in character. And it, actually, that is so, so interesting because it means we get really, really in-depth into one character before we do any improv whatsoever or any scenes whatsoever. So. Yeah. Um, which is kind of... Uh, kind of cool really it means you're really you know rather than just sort of jumping on stage and uh, being a character stuff right like that we, we, we do these monologues and it means we can like, well for, certainly for me it means I can really feel like I can settle yeah. into a character yeah, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a way that is really really exciting to me and again feels a little bit more um, theatrical than yes. improv we've done before, which yeah, is nice, yeah. which is nice, yeah. I know, I love that, I love that kind of the idea of the theatrical of just bringing in, I don't know, just that little bit more sort of theatre to improv and mm. exploring that, I find that very exciting kind of avenue to explore. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's really exciting, it's really exciting. We do, so we've been focusing a lot on how do we do, you know, how do we improvise monologues and things like that, and it's been how really... How do you improvise how do monologues? Improv yeah, <laughs> oh God. If you yeah. could just tell me how to do that, oh, yeah. that'd be well, really good. Well, if you could tell me, that'd be really good, actually. <laughs> What have we, what have we, um, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we do that? Well, one of the things we've discovered is actually silence and how powerful that is. Obviously, it's powerful in, in scenes generally. Um, but we had a we got a we had a workshop from a guy called Andrew Tidmarsh. It's probably like one of the you know some people are just really really inspiring. Yeah. He's probably one of the most inspiring people. He, he's a, he used to be a, a teacher at um, Rada. Right. And um, now kind of teaches things freelance and writes about theatre and, and 
Look, I don't. I'm not. I'm talking a bit vaguely because I'm not sure exactly what he does. But all that sort of. I'll put a link in the show. Put notes a link. To it. <laughs> link in. Um, you can but, investigate that yourself, listener. But he is. He is fantastic, and he ran a couple of um, workshops. Uh, workshops with us. Um, where we actually, he warned us before, he's like, we're going to do very little in in the in this workshop, and uh, yeah, we did a lot of kind of like standing and uh, not saying the thing and kind of only speaking when it actually felt like we were going to improve the silence. Basically, right. wow, yeah, and it was kind of really powerful and, and yeah. was, uh, really interesting. Yeah, so that's definitely one thing is I think the silence, and the other thing I think is just. Uh, we kind of realised that if you, if you don't know what to to say in terms of words, then just sort of changing sort of the the, the tone of your um, monologue or the rhythm of it or the pace of it will make change happen more widely. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you've got to this point where you know it kind of guess can happen on stage sometimes where you're like, I don't really know where to go from here. Rather than change the words, actually changing something else yes in quite a maybe a sort of bit of a superficial way of i'm gonna make this change actually will mean you'll kind of change everything and find everything going in as maybe an interesting direction yes so we found that kind of useful as well yes because the words are actually not as important as mm. people think they are it's you know it's yes yeah, it's how you say it and you know it's all that stuff about how much you communicate is taken up with words but actually there's a lot more about body language and yeah know, all that sort of stuff yeah 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 i completely yeah i completely agree it's definitely yeah definitely um how how i feel about it which is good because actually coming up with words is uh, hard isn't it, <laughs> it's, hard, so isn't it? Yeah. it's good to know that you don't, you don't have to do that as much as sometimes you, uh, yeah. you think i i think yeah there's very few situations where actually using more words gets you out of trouble yeah. Uh, usually, you just dig yourself in further. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what, that feels like kind of like a life, life. <laughs> it, really. Yeah. Cool. Um, and you say that's with the uh, the free association. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it been like working with them? Oh, it's it's been it's been great. I think. Um, yeah, I think I really because I guess they're relatively recent. Although they've actually probably haven't. It's probably been like couple of years at least now isn't it yeah I don't but know. They, they, sure they seem a new name they seem a new name but that's only because of the, the, the others have been around slightly longer yeah, I think that's probably uh, it, yeah. but, but um but i think they're excellent and then um, what's, yeah. what's their involvement been how, how have you been how are they connected to the show yeah well so we do it in their in their theater right, basically yeah, yeah. so they've got a uh, a space and uh, and and that's where they perform the show and they um help to to promote it and and that sort of thing and uh, not myself but um a couple of the the group are involved um quite heavily in um some of uh, uh, the fa's uh, cool. shows and things as well and uh yeah, no, I think they're really exciting, and by all accounts, like the training they do is uh, really great, and um, yeah, getting lots of people really excited about about improv. So I, I think it's, it's uh, yeah, we again just feel really kind of priv privileged, privileged <laughs> to, work, to, to work with them. And, and the exciting thing about them is that uh, we're going to Edinburgh this year, and uh, we're performing in um, with sort of in association with them. Ah, excellent. So, Very so nice. that's that's extremely cool yeah. that um, they've enabled us to do that basically so we're, we're really excited about that cool good stuff good stuff right so you have a, another show format and I'm slightly hesitant to pronounce this is it the Wunderkammer 
Oh yeah, or How do you the, pronounce it? Well, I always say the Wunderkammer, but uh. I appreciate that's not very German, is it? Well, I mean, you know. um, and it is a German word, so I think it should be the Wunderkammer. I think basically, however you you wish, nice. is is, nice. is is absolutely fine. So I will accept your Wunderkammer. <laughs> and, um, what we yeah that is that's an, what's that all about? That's, a, that's all right. Well, that's our final show for anyone. So for anyone's like, wow, man, you've gone through two formats. and You're about to go through a third one. <laughs> this that this is the final sort of thing we do between our just the stage um, at the moment. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so this show uh, we well, uh, we um, we do this with the with the nursery. Uh, we started doing it with the nursery, and we also do it with the natural history museum as well. Wow, how and did that come about? Uh, how did that come about? Well, so we we started doing this show. So the the the, the basic format of the show is um, is kind of like a cross between TED style talks and improv improv comedy, basically. So we have a couple of expert speakers. Um, one of them will do a will do a short sort of presentation with some slides. We'll do some improv inspired by it. We have a, a break usually, not always, and then we have a, another speaker does the second second presentation, uh, and then again we do uh, improv inspired by it, also kind of bringing in some of the things from the the, the first show as well. Oh, I love basically. that when you can start, yeah, yeah, yeah. mixing the two things together, the, the, second the connections half so that you make, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's that's it really. So it's a really simple idea, and I guess the the idea that is is we wanted to create a show that we thought would appeal to people beyond the uh, improv scene. A bit like with the free association show as well. We wanted to kind of bring in things that would um, get people interested in it who might not just straightforward go to an improv show. Yeah. Um, which I think is an important thing to try and do as much as, as possible yeah, in this, no, this it's, scene. It's great if you can yeah if you can have that sort of hook so that you know people think, oh I really love that sort of thing and then they go along and then you've snuck in the improv it's like hey yeah. I love that improv stuff as well brilliant <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah without them even realising what's going on so um, so that's what we did so and again really cool like um, uh, Jules at the nursery was like we're um, starting this space um, would you be interested in doing a show or he might have put a general call out and I think we got in touch with him I can't remember now <laughs> but anyway so um, we, we pitched this idea to him and he was like that sounds good and and we, we did it and uh, yeah so we've been doing that for uh, quite a while now with the nursery and started doing Natural History Museum as well so that all came about well I've got I, well I used to have just not that I've fallen out with her, but she doesn't work for the Natural History Museum anymore. <laughs> but I used to have a friend that worked for the Natural History uh, Museum, and um, she'd come and seen the show quite a few times, and was like, "I think this could work quite well at the lates of the Natural History oh, Museum." So we we decided to uh, to give it a go, and we still do that now, and that's really really fun because we get Natural History Museum scientists yeah. who do the talks. So that's kind of cool because they're all like geniuses and yeah, really clever yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 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 yeah. So, uh, but you're making it accessible to people that might come to a museum late that might not necessarily go to a lecture. Right. So it works both way around. So we kind of make the the lecture or the talk more accessible and make the improv more accessible at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of this neat thing that that yeah. works works both ways, which I think is kind of a cool thing. Now that's that's super exciting. I really, yeah. I really want to come up with something like that now. <laughs> Well, just steal our one instead. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll take that as uh, <laughs> as on the record that uh, oh, God. I'm able to. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. So um, you're part of Do Not Adjust Your Stage, but you also do a solo show. Oh yeah, that sounds really intriguing. Yeah. Jake Oram 
and the Playmobil players. Yeah, so it's an occasional thing. I do. Basically, I only really do it if I'm asked to, to do it because I, I kind of, I'm not very organised, basically. <laughs> so I do it every, probably perform every like few months. Um, and and it's a bit it's a bit of a, it's kind of weird but I think it's good actually I I like it so what happens is I um, perform a little show with playing Bill figurines so I wanted to do a one person improv show because I thought it'd be interesting but I thought it'd be really hard to <laughs> do like everything on my own and walk around the stage and stuff and thought oh, that's gonna be really tiring and I'd probably find it really difficult so I thought how can I make this easier for myself and so I decided to. Uh, take a load of Playmobil figurines on stage and I make a little stage with like a, a lamp and some Playmobil set and stuff and I uh, and they do just a full improv show they get a suggestion from the audience and then they, they start improvising uh, basically and it's kind of um, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an improv show but it's also kind of one man desperately kind of battling against the odds of, of trying to put on a on a show with playable figurines it's kind of rubbish but maybe it's it's good but actually it's probably probably rubbish um, yeah so I kind of play a bit of a character as well but at the same time I'm not a character I am a man that's doing improv with playable figurines so um, yes yeah, uh, I think it's quite it's quite interesting uh, I, do it, I do it every now and again whenever anyone sort of gives me permission it's, it's to, a to cry do for it. help. It's basically a cry for help. Yeah, yeah it's basically, basically a cry for help. So did you have these figures uh, already or did you have to buy them specially for the show? Oh, they're all figures that I already had. Right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. From, from so, childhood or just... From, from childhood, yeah, from childhood. <laughs> I mean, not that I like, stole from another... <laughs> Kid a little bit earlier or something. Uh, no, no, from, yeah, no, from sorry, no, from child, from childhood, yeah, from childhood. Um, so my mum actually was a bit, a bit disappointed at first. So I was taking them because they were mainly from my sister had this lovely Playmobil sort of house. You know, it's one of these little like uh, sort of Victorian house, and um, she was very upset that I was taking some of the uh, the pieces from from that, some of the seats from that, and things. Because you know it's part of the part of the set, isn't it? And, yeah. But anyway, I did it. I did it anyway. He thought, Mum, showbiz is more important than your feelings. Yeah. I'm going to be a star. Yeah. You're going to be proud of me. Yeah. That's that's what that is. That is what that is what exactly that is exactly the conversation. And you know she hasn't spoken to me since. But uh, no, she has. She has. She has. Very, very lovely. Uh, and I think she's. I think she's. Uh, you know, come to terms with that. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, of course she has. Of course she has. Uh, but so they're all, they're all, you know, original, original 1990s Playmobil figurines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah. So uh, when you were choosing the uh, figurines that you were going to play mm. with, um, was it a random selection or did you have certain, you know, ideas of, you know, which figures? Yeah, I wanted it to look a little bit knocked together. So I've got like a Robin Hood, you know. <laughs> like, I've got some that I feel a little bit out of place. Nice. Um, yeah, but it was it was hard because you don't want to you don't want to leave you know the other ones out, do you? Um, and also, I guess I guess also, and it, I did, there was some I did have some decisions like the ones that looked a bit too complicated. I kind of felt like I wanted the more simplistic Playmobil. Well, what are the complicated Playmobil? Well, you know, if they're wearing kind of jackets and they've got a sort of necktie. There's a lot of cravat action going on. Well, 
So no, certainly there is at least one figurine that was ditched from from my show as a result of that. Which really, what well, do you think? Harsh, isn't it? Cut, yeah, harsh. They got cut. Well, they never got selected, I guess. So they weren't even asked to audition. Really, <laughs> that's harsh. Or is it? Yeah, no, that's probably better than you know getting the hopes up by asking to exactly. audition and then you know. You know, you've got to make these tough artistic decisions, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's the show that matters. Exactly, there, exactly, know, exactly. If the figures are going to get cut. So when you're asking for a call out for that show, mm. what what are you asking for? Well, so what I do is uh, once I kind of set up my little stage, um, I then like uh, have a little lamp and I put the I kind of switch the lamp on and get the music at the back to go really loud, <laughs> and then I put the lamp back on and one of my playing with figurines runs the stage on the stage and does a really bad American accent because I can't do a good American accent, no. and he's like, hey, okay, how are we doing tonight? Who wants to see some improv? And gets the audience cheering. <laughs> And then just asks for a word or something, and then they start doing it. Oh, and introduces the other figures, obviously, and then starts doing a show. Um, that's how it. That's how it works. So the figures both have their real uh, identity, and then also the characters that they play within the fiction. I guess they do. Apart from I haven't, I probably need to do more thoughts, more thinking on that. Yeah. So it probably changes show on show what their yeah, real identity is. And it'd be, it'd be quite nice if they had. Uh, yeah, Real. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. Don't. Yeah, only go and say it once. That would be my advice, and then <laughs> you won't notice. No, fans love the lack of continuity because they come up with reasons as to why that character has a different. Yeah. Uh, they love. They love. They love all. Oh, that's so good. That's stick good. With that. Great. I'll do. It. I'll keep doing that. Makes it a lot easier just for my brain. I basically. <laughs> maybe this show is about trying to make things both as difficult and as easy for myself at the same time. <laughs> a very weird. And complex it, show. Is it not the case that only the people in the front row can really see what you're doing? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I have. Been, I have very much considered and I probably will do at some point having like a screen at the back and yeah, like yeah. but then I feel like it kind of takes something away from the show because <laughs> I do want it to be just one weird guy trying to put on a show with Painwood figurines badly <laughs> and if the whole audience can see the show yeah, yeah, then that yeah. takes away something from that doesn't it yeah if it's too polished you definitely yeah. do something yeah Why, what have people said about it have they said that in a positive way or in a negative way no I no, no. <laughs> just, I'm just imagining oh no, yeah sticks of it. that's just in my imagination no that's in your imagination but yeah. also true yeah 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 uh, but I, again and I don't really know what to do but I'm very torn I'm very torn because it would be nice if everyone could see the show wouldn't it well you know that's generally one of the aims isn't it <laughs> yeah it's not like, a minimum required it's usually yeah. a minimum required isn't it so I'm not I'm not really I'm not really sure what to do about it so I'll probably just leave it <laughs> okay so big final question oh yeah um gosh I'm giving it a bit of a build-up. Yeah. So if, if, if any of the listeners wish to emulate the success of you and the rest of Do Not Adjust Your Stage, what advice would you give them? Is there a secret in the way that the group is run? Is there? Is it just lightning in a bottle? Is there anything we can copy so yeah. we can be like you? Well, um, I feel like first of all you're speaking about me and my group in. in more grandiose term. maybe they should aim higher but also uh, no. but, um, but what can they do I guess um, what can they do well the, the first thing is I, well, I guess the things that I feel are really good about us is we all get on really really well 
and that makes things a pleasure to to do improv. In fact, we get on so well, and we kind of all start together. We were in a, we were at a sort of similar. Um, Level. So when we started doing Do Not Adjust Your Stage, for example, so um, some people from Sheffield and some people met in the London scene, and most of us have kind of um, done improv as a student beforehand and had that similar sort of short form background and coming to a show. And there was something useful about kind of all being on the same page. And we've really stuck at it. Like we've re we rehearsed every week wow. and we've kind of done that forever, like yeah. on a Monday. So what, what, does, which helps. What, what does an average you know, uh, rehearsal, what's yeah. the format, what do you actually do? Yeah, so we usually have a different person running it, a different member of the group running it each week and they'll kind of decide what they want to focus on. It could be a focus on a specific skill, could be that it's a bit last minute and we just basically do some scenes and then, then chat about it. Or it could be like yesterday where we, we go and watch the football and we regret it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, um, that's how it works really. But we do, it, we do it week on week. And more than anything else, I think that rehearsal is about togetherness and about us, yeah. us working, working to, together more than, more than anything, anything else. So basically. that's both um, doing stuff that's improv, also doing stuff that isn't improv. Yeah, I think I think it helps if you really get on and are friends with the the people that you improvise with, doesn't it? It certainly really helps for us. So I think I think that is 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 really important. And I'd say stick with it because there are things that um, you know happen along the way. There's been times where we've we've uh, we've found it more difficult to to improvise or not being completely happy with the show. Um, and it's. I think we were really good at sort of communicating with each other at those times, thinking, right, what do we, what do we do about this? Um, so I think I think that really helps. It's been, I mean, there's been lots of people that have dropped. We've had dropped out of the group. We've had the same lineup for the last few years, but in the first few years of doing our just your stage, um, we probably had about so there's eight of us now. Probably had about 15 people that have at, at least done a show, or, or 14, 15, people, at least done a show or. Uh, with, with us, you know, in that early time before we kind of refined it, it down, and it became the, um, the the group it is now. So I think that's a very normal thing as well for for that to happen and to keep going. That happens, and I think, I think we really had those those sort of basics drilled into us. And I think actually that that really really helps. I'm listing a lot of things, aren't I? I'm going to list one more, which I think it's good to really think about the, I identity of your shows so I think especially when you're first putting a group together it's really hard to be well actually it's always really hard to be like the best improvisers and to, uh, and so actually what is it that you're trying to achieve with this this show or how are you going to just try and make it sort of stand out or what are you going to do that's going to be new for people and if, I think if you can think about an identity to your show, then that can be really helpful as well. But it doesn't have to be something too radical. Yeah. You know, like if no one's doing short form at the moment, you could be like, we're going to do a really quick, punchy, short form show. And that could be really, really, really cool. But something that's just going to be something where you can like really sort of uh, describe, your, describe your show and give it a sort of identity. I think that's kind of helpful too. Brilliant. That's fantastic. I think that's it. Is that it? Lovely. Well, that was very fun, wasn't it? That's brilliant. Thank that you. Thank you very thanks much. For, thanks for having me. That's it's been, that's it's great. been nice. You're perfect. Oh, good. <laughs>
Well, thanks. As for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I made this. Max Improv! <laughs>